watching. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if there is anything that you need prayer for, please don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today we are starting a series on thanksgiving and praise. In this first part, Pastor Dwayne will be talking about our attitude towards God. We need to look at our relationship with God and ask ourselves, does my relationship with God look like other relationships in my life? Is there giving and receiving from both sides? Do I thank God regularly or am I constantly complaining? Pastor will show us what a thankful heart is all about. Let's take a look. Praise and thanksgiving are the number one mental health agents in the world. Right? And we're going we're gonna to just kind of introduce the subject today. But I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for, it is ne for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, if I preach the gospel... Because I want to, with a good attitude, he said, then I'm going to receive a reward from the Lord. But I just do it because I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to receive no reward. So in other words, your attitude in what you do is even more important than what you do. Because God's going to reward you if you have a right attitude. But if you do the exact same thing with a wrong attitude, you will receive no reward whatsoever. And so often people, they go through life and they've just got a negative, stingy, proud, ungrateful, unappreciative, unwilling, resentful, rebellious attitude. Right? And what we need to have is we need to have the right attitudes. Charles Swindoll wrote this a number of years ago. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding our attitude. The attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string that we have, and that's our attitude. He said, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Attitude. Attitude. It is so important. And as, as he said, it is a choice. Jesus said this in John 14. Verse 1, he said, do not let your heart be troubled. He was saying, don't let your feelings and your attitudes ruin your life or rule your life. He's saying, don't let it happen. People have the idea, well, I'm just depressed because of this or that, and, and that's just the way it is. But Jesus said, don't let depression rule your life. Don't be troubled. Don't be fearful. He said, don't do that. In other words, he's saying you have a choice, right? In praise and thanksgiving, it affects every aspect of your life. It affects your relationship with God. It affects your standing against the devil. It affects your emotional well-being, as the Bible teaches very, very clearly in Romans chapter 1. 
I believe for us as Christians that there really is no victory in our lives without praise and thanksgiving. And it needs to be something that we embrace, that we choose daily. Again, in Hebrews chapter 13, it says the sacrifice of praise. In other words, it's a sacrifice when you don't feel like it. Some days it's easy, but other days it's not so easy. Sometimes all the circumstances are going your way, but other times all the circumstances seem to be going against you, right? It says the sacrifice of praise. It's when things don't look good. It's then when we don't feel like it, right? Now, really what God desires, this, this thanksgiving, this praise, it's supposed to spring out of our relationship with God. And, and I want to remind you that so many of us have the wrong idea about our relationship with God. We're always constantly trying to do things to win God's approval. Right? But I want you to think back. Adam and Eve, they're living in this beautiful garden, and they have no needs whatsoever. They, they, don't, they don't have problems in their relationship. In fact, they don't have any problems at all. There's no bills that aren't paid. There's no obstacles. They don't need healing. None of it. Right? The Bible says in, in Revelation 4.11 that we were created for his pleasure. Right? Now, here's what would happen. The Bible says that every day in the cool of the day that God would come down and he would fellowship with Adam and Eve. They just, they just talked together. I mean, they're going through the garden and, and Adam says, man, that is an awesome tree you made. And the fruit on that guanabana, oh my goodness, God, that's awesome. You know what they're doing? They're just fellowshipping with God. They didn't go, God, we got to pay the bills. God, I've got problems with Eve. He wasn't going, God, you've got to straight Adam out. Huh? There, there were, that, that wasn't what it was about. There were no, get this, there were no requests. Because there were no problems. But yet, they were created for God's pleasure. And God came and he had fellowship. He had communion with him. And, and I really think that a lot of times we think our relationship with God is based on our prayer time. Our asking God for things. But really, what God's looking for, and not that that's wrong, that's, that's fine, but God's looking for fellowship. right? We need to be walking with God every day, all the time, every day enjoying things together with God, right? So the same thing is true in a relationship. Uh, a while back, we had some people that we knew really well, and uh, they were going to separate. As far as their marriage, we're going to separate, and uh, we're going to try to uh, work things out. Now, I'm not saying there's never a time to, to separate when there's some sort of abuse that's going on, but that wasn't the case. And they were going to separate and work things out. And somehow they thought that separation makes the heart grow fonder. Right? It doesn't. Appreciation makes the heart grow fonder. Not separation. Right? I, I know in my relationship with, with, with Jeannie, all right, it's, it's when I'm thankful. When I'm, I'm just telling her how awesome she is. All right? When, when I'm... Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right, right there. You're, that's you. Amen. <laughs> right? But that's what, that's what brings intimacy. Listen, that's what brings intimacy. 
That's what brings intimacy into a relationship. It's not separation, right? Um, so we want to focus today on praise and thanksgiving. And let me just say that God is deserving of our praise. In Psalms 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. By the way, praise is about recognizing and recalling God's character and his nature. It expresses our awe for who he is. Thanksgiving is an offering of gratitude for what he's done. But praise is just about who he is. Thanksgiving is gratitude for what God has done. Psalms 107. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And again, praise give God, gives God pleasure. And it says, again, in, in uh, Revelation 4, for you created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. Why don't you think about this? God gets pleasure out of a relationship with you. That gives God pleasure. I, I don't know about you, but, but uh, when it comes to like Jeannie and I, I, I get pleasure just out of having her around. I'm going someplace. I say, honey, come with me. I just want her there, right? Just want to be together, right? It gives me pleasure. And the same thing is true when it comes to God, right? He gets pleasure out of a relationship with us. One of the benefits that we receive out of praise is there is peace that comes into our life. In Philippians 4, it says the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I like Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, For you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. He's saying when, when we put our trust in the Lord, he said he will keep us in perfect peace. Now, what, what so often happens is we've got our eyes on other things. Maybe an example I could use would be when in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when David fought Goliath. Goliath came out and he said, send me a man to fight. And if I kill him, you will be our slaves. But if he kills me, we will be your slaves. The Bible says the, the, the men of Israel and King Saul, they heard it and they were full of fear. David came out. He heard the same thing. But his focus was different. When he went to fight that giant, he began to talk about his covenant with God. He said, and the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand. And today I'm going to strike you down. He began to look at what God had to say about the situation. I brought along today my binoculars here because they kind of illustrate what happens when we focus right and when we focus wrong. All right. Now, these are 10 power. And I get up here. I'm looking for Gary and Pam. They, hey, they tell me they hang out in the balcony. I can never tell without, without these. <laughs> All right. So, so, so what happens is when I use these, things get closer, things get bigger, they get magnified. Now, if I turn them around, have you ever done that? All of a sudden, I think that's L, but I'm not sure. All right. Things get farther and farther away. When you focus on the problem, right? when you focus on the giant and what the giant says, it's like you're looking through your binoculars backwards, excuse me, forwards, and you magnify that thing. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
And literally, God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like you're looking through your binoculars backwards. But when you focus on the right thing, and you focus on God, you focus on his promises, the Bible says, that literally, he said, David said, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. He said, when I begin to thank God for all the things that he's done, he said, God gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So a lot of times what people do when it comes to their time with the Lord, they go to God and they say, God, I've got this problem. I don't have any money. The bill collectors are coming. They say they're going to repossess the car. I might even lose the house. You know, things aren't going well at the job. And God, I'm probably going to lose my job. And I don't know what's going to happen. What are going to happen to my kids? How am I going to take care of the food? How am I going to put clothes on them? How am I going to be able to get shoes? God is going to be winter. How am I going to be able to pay all the bills? God, there's going to be a high electric bill. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have the money. And we talk and talk and talk. And God, help me. Now, all we do is magnify the problem. And then give God three seconds at the end. Right? And then we wonder, why is our life full of fear and doubt and unbelief? Right? Why? Because we haven't kept our mind focused on him. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. On God, on his word, on his promises, on his faithfulness. Not the person whose mind is constantly focused on the problem. And the outcome of the problem, right? We have got to keep our mind focused on him, right? Now, I think a great example of this is Elijah. Now, Elijah had gone to the king and said, there's going to be no rain. There's going to be no dew these years until I say so. And sure enough, for three and a half years, there is no rain. There's no dew. Finally, the prophet says to the king, after God, by the way, had him hide by the brook cherub. And the Bible says every morning a raven would come with bread and with meat. Every evening, bread and meat. Then he went to the widow at Seraphath. And supernaturally, God filled her bin of flour and her little cruise of oil. And it just kept on pouring and kept on pouring. Kept on putting his hand in constantly more meal. Then he shows himself to the king. They go to Mount Carmel. The prophet prays and God sends fire from heaven. He kills the 450 prophets of Baal. He goes up on top of Mount Carmel. He prays. And you remember the story. A cloud comes out of the sea and rain, it begins to rain. There's lightning. There's thunder. It's dark. The hand of the Lord comes on him. The Bible says he outran the king's chariot all the way to Jezreel. As close as I could figure, that's 18 miles. He outran a bunch of horses. All right? And... How many know things are good? This is a good day. He's killed the 450 prophets of Baal. And Ahab's wife, Jezebel, sends word and says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be as dead as one of those prophets you just killed. And I quote, and when he saw that, he turned and he ran into the desert. When he saw that. Instead of focusing on what God had done and what God had promised, he focused on the negative. He focused on what the wicked woman Jezebel said. And when he did, he ran out into the desert. He ends up in a cave. And uh, he spent the night there. And the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here? This is what he said. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel, they have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life. 
So God said, go stand out before the mountain of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And the Lord began to speak to him. Now, here's what's happening. So often, we are so busy. We are just go, 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 go. You, you can't have two minutes of quiet. You got to get out your phone and find out who sent you a message, find out what's on the news. You got to watch them. You cannot have quiet anytime in your life. And because of it, when God's speaking, we never hear. We're never taking the time, as the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I'm, I'm going to make a confession to you. Very often, God speaks to me right in the morning, right as I wake up. And you say, why? Because it's the only time I'm quiet. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the only time he can get through. Because the rest of the day, it's, whoa, 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 you know, it's go, 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 go. All right? And, and I have purposely put in my life times to be quiet, to just listen to God, to just fellowship with God. Yeah, every place we go, we need to take him with us. We need to enjoy his company. But there need to be times when we're specifically quiet. We're not hearing God, and we're not having the peace that God wants us to have because we're just busy, busy, busy. We are not keeping our minds and our hearts focused on the Lord. Be still and know that I'm God. Right? When your mind is just going, 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 God's speaking, but you're not hearing. Right? Now, Praise is literally a spiritual weapon. I mentioned earlier, it affects how we are able to stand against our enemy. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, in Matthew 21, as, as Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives, and you come down, there's the little Kidron Valley, and then right up onto the Temple Mount. But as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, coming down the Mount of Olives, the Bible says that the, the people went out and they grabbed palm branches. Remember this? And they began to, to yell and to scream, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is riding that donkey down. And many of the, the religious leaders were upset. And they said, do you hear these sayings? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And it's actually a quote from the Old Testament. It says here, perfected praise. Let me read it from the Old Testament. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. And Jesus said that that's that strength, perfected praise is strength. When we begin to praise, it's like spiritual strength. And listen to the rest of the verse. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Right? What it's saying is this, is that when we begin to be, have praise in our mouth, when we begin to praise God, it silences the enemy. It like puts an end to the attack of the enemy. Right? It is a spiritual weapon. Praise silences the enemy. 
In fact, the truth is this. If you're quiet, the devil thinks he's winning. You got to have some praise in your mouth. You got to begin to speak it out. Right? Uh, medical professions, professionals have statistics that show that happy, joyful, thankful person is much healthier than a person who's morbid, sad, and depressed. Praise God for what he's doing in your life. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent. He's been a decade in prison for preaching. In deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Uh, what they would do is they would take off your, your shoes or your sandals and they would take a rod and beat the bottom of your feet and most of the time would be breaking bones in your feet three times. All right? He said, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times shipwrecked, night and a day in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, fasting often, in cold and in nakedness. Now here's what he said about those things, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light affliction. Got that? In prison for a decade, five times received 39 stripes, stoned, beaten with rods, our light affliction. Right. Most of you think it's the great tribulation if the snowblower breaks. <laughs> right. We're complaining, oh God, why have you forsaken me? Right. But, but he says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, subject to change, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I've been through all of this stuff, and it's just a light affliction. Because I've got my eye focused beyond this world. I'm looking to my reward. The Bible says about Moses that he forsook all that Egypt had to offer because he looked to his Reward, right? He realized this life is not all that there is, right? There is an eternity. And in light of eternity, however long you live down here, it is but for a moment, right? He said, in what we go through now, we're going to receive such a reward in heaven. He said, we don't even look at the things that are seen. We're looking at the things that are not seen. We need to keep our life in perspective and realize that there is an eternity, Right? And don't be a whiner complaining about everything that's going on that's wrong. I like what Paul said. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. By the way, he wrote that from prison. He said, hey, rejoice in the Lord. No matter what's going on on the outside, you're forgiven. You're right with God. You're on your way to heaven. The Bible says your citizenship, it is in heaven. Right? Now, so often, 
We're, we're just waiting for everything to be right. Listen, anybody can praise God when the victory's won, when the giant's laying down and his head's cut off, when the project is complete. Right? But it's in Ezra chapter 3. The, 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 the Israelites have come back and they're there to rebuild the temple. I want you to listen. It says, then all the people shouted with a great shout. When they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And it said that there was such a great shout that they heard them miles away. They could hear the shout. Now, they didn't shout when the temple was finished. They shouted when the foundation was laid. In other words, the very first time they saw any movement in the right direction, they began to thank God. They began to praise God. Right? They didn't wait until they had a dedication service. They began to praise the Lord when the first thing happened. Right? See, you don't need to wait until everything turns right before you begin to praise the Lord. You just need to find a little bit of progress. You just need to find one thing that's right and begin to thank God for what you already have. In fact, I want you to stand to your feet right now, lift your hands and think of something that's right, something that's going in the right way and shout and thank God. Yeah, yeah. One more time, better for the Lord. Begin to thank Him, praise Him for something that's going right in your life today. Hallelujah. We bless you. We thank you. You're our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. Sit down for two minutes. All right. Where there's faith, praise abounds. Colossians 2. As you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now listen, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Established in faith, abounding in thanksgiving. Right? Thanksgiving and praise are an important part of faith. Faith is incomplete without praise and without thanksgiving. Right? Uh, praise is a spiritual thermometer. Right? When there's just a little praise, your faith is low. When there's a lot of praise, your faith is high. Notice it says abounding in thanksgiving. Why? Because you're in faith. You can check yourself and you can tell how, where you are spiritually based on your praise. Because when you're in faith, you are abounding you're abounding in thanksgiving all right praise is a super important part of faith and when we have faith we abound in thanksgiving thanksgiving is a manifestation all right it's a manifestation of praise and our faith and we need to not wait until everything happens David did not make his confession when, day, when Goliath was dead. He made his confession before the fight. Right? And in the same way, let his praise continually, the Bible says, be in our mouth. If you're watching today, but you know in your heart that you're not right with God, and there is a hunger to be right, you want to be forgiven. 
Would you please bow your head and pray this prayer with me from your heart? Make these words your own. To say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He's my Lord. He's my King. And I thank you that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you are forgiven right with God and on your way to heaven. But you've just taken the first step into the kingdom of God. And I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. You can download a digital copy, or if you'll contact us, we'll see to it you get a hard copy. Again, full of bullet points to help you in your spiritual life. Thank you, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. How awesome. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book to be mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Thanksgiving, in the WBF store. You can also download Pastor's notes that go with this message under the On Demand page. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Tune in next week for part two of the series, Thanksgiving and Praise.